Welcome to episode 52 of Talking Wild Madness. This is Adam, and we are coming from the very comfortable confines of a quarantine, a self-imposed quarantine, self-isolated state. Um, I think we might be living inside a Stephen King novel, and I guess the thing to be considered at the moment is is this is this Stephen King novel? Is it a is it a is it a short story? Is it a is it a Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, or is it The Stand? Is this thing is this bad bad bitch going to go on for eleven hundred pages? Uh, we are very much at the exposition stage of things. We're very much at the opening. We, we might be getting introduced to a few characters. We might be, we might be seeing, uh, we might be getting the setting described of where people are. But make no mistake about it, we are in the middle of a Stephen King book. And uh, I guess, as the Prime Minister of Australia said, his praying knees are, are worn out. So I guess all we can do is wear out our knees and see where this thing ends up. Today, was it today or yesterday, I found out the, the probably the most dreadful sobering news that uh, if, if breweries are not considered essential services, that Australia is going to run out of beer in about three weeks. And uh, of all the news I've heard this week, and I have heard some dreadful news, but of all the news I've heard this week, that was among the worst. And I went, now I, I need to be clear about this. I didn't go to Dan Murphy's today as a, a, in a panicked response to that, but I did go to Dan Murphy's today. Uh, for people who are, who are not from Australia listening, Dan Murphy's is a massive uh, megastore um, bottle shop that is, it's like, a, it's like a giant, it's like a Walmart or a Bunnings exclusively for booze in all its many, many different forms. In a sense, it, it is a reflection on humanity. Everyone, as my good friend Terry Madden said, no one is buying alcohol-free wine. No one. Uh, no matter how no matter how eloquent the reviews for, for wines are written, uh, no matter how much history and uh, no matter how much... Uh, re- I was about to say regality, but I think that might be regalness. Or it could be a third option I'm not considering. But no one is buying alcohol-free wine. They've just brought out alcohol-free Heineken. I am not sure how many people are lining up for that. I have to be honest. I, uh, for me, beer has always been something that I've had to get used to flavor-wise. I, I thoroughly enjoy getting drunk or getting um, uh, getting slightly toasted or ho- however you want to say it. But I remember accidentally drinking a, a half pint of my Auntie Doreen's Carlsberg Lager when I was about six, uh, because when I when I grew up in Ireland, the men would mostly drink pints of Guinness. My father would drink for some weird reason, Perno and lemonade. Yeah, I'll just leave that as it. I'll leave that to to. Uh, I'll just leave that. And all the women would drink half pints of of lager, half pints of Carlsberg, or half pints of harp lager. And the glasses that they served the half pints of lager in were this, exactly the same glasses that they would 
serve the lemonade in or the Coke in. And when you were six in Ireland, and that would have been in the in the mid to late 80s for me, the, the pub was uh, like, it was almost like a community center. It wasn't, it wasn't a place where men just went to get drunk. It was a place where the family would go after church or it was, it, or, or after work or wherever. But it was a place where everyone would go and, and children were catered for as much as the adults were catered for. Obviously, knowing that these, the same kids that were there today in late 80s, they were going to be the adults that were going to be there bringing their children to this place uh, later on. So I'm not painting Irish pubs, pub culture in the, in the late 80s as some um, utopian paradise. I mean, obviously, uh, obviously the, the, um, the marketing mind was involved there. But the lemonade was served in the same, it was like a little small half pint flower vase that was in the same shape that the women would traditionally get their half pints of Harp Lager or Carlsberg Lager. And I, at the age of, I must have been six, maybe seven, accidentally picked up my Auntie Dorian's half pint of Carlsberg, thinking it was my pint of lager. And I took a, um, uh, you know, I took a, a seven-year-old's or a six-year-old's mouthful of lemonade worth out of that lager and then ran to the men's toilet. I remember running. I remember because I, I tasted it in my mouth before I swallowed it, and it was the, the most, the weirdest, weirdest flavor. Uh, it was kind of a mixture between bread and gold. Uh, and I, as, as a six-year-old or a seven-year-old, that's not a flavor that I was willing to entertain in my mouth. So I ran, and I remember literally like it was yesterday, I remember spitting it out onto the urinals in that they had in the, in the men's room, which they obviously still have in the men's room. Urinals are disgusting. Urinals are an absolutely, whether you're spitting mouthfuls of your auntie's lager into them or whether you're actually using them, standing upright next to other fellas, using them, oh, absolutely disgraceful. I wonder if urinals, I wonder if, uh, if, if there'll be some adjustment to, to urinals after this global epoch we are currently, uh, currently enjoying. But I went to Dan Murphy's anyway, and uh, for the first time in the history of my existence, of my beer buying existence, this is after I was spitting it out into a urinal, there was no Cooper's beer in in the uh, in Dan Murphy's, and again, for people who don't know, Dan Murphy's is I don't know what the square meterage of the place would be, but I I would say I'd say it would be close to I'd say it'd be close to a square kilometer warehouse full of of booze that you can that you can get your hands on wine, spirits, beer, cider. Fortified wine, ports, you know, everything, everything. A disgraceful place. And, and and when you walk in there slightly hungover with a dry cotton mouth and a little bit zombified and you see the other people walking out with, with uh, slightly zombified, slightly hungover with their mouths kind of watering uh, and, and with all the willpower in the world not to get into what they just bought before they can get out of the car park. Yeah, you don't feel good about being in that community, in, the, in that collective. Um, 
But in the immortal words of the featherweight champion of the UFC, well, not anymore, Max Holloway, it is what it is. So there are many, there are many, many different things afoot, many different things happening. Um, my friends Michael and Lynn are in Japan and they left just after the last house concert and they left um, in a very different, I suppose, psychological environment than what we have now. I hope they're doing well. I should probably actually send them a message and see how they're going. Um, they left probably a week before everything got shut down, before everything, uh, before the tone got ominous. And the tone is now ominous. Yeah, the tone the tone has gone from bread and gold to uh, to 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 dried leather and uh, and 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 general fear maybe. I don't know if, no, I don't think fear is a, I don't think fear is too strong a word. Uh, saw some horrendous videos coming out of China of streets lined with dead people. And of these enormous, it was like something out of a Batman, like the early Batman movies where uh, Tim Burton was directing them. There was these giant uh, cement trucks, fleets, fleets, F-L-E-E-T-S, fleets of cement trucks with giant chimney hoses coming out of the back of them on a 45 degree angle, just spraying out who knows what into the Chinese atmosphere, trying to, I mean, who knows? I don't know what they were doing. I have no idea what they were doing. Um, trying to cleanse, uh, who knows? Uh, there, were, there were videos of uh, Chinese troops in white hazmat suits walking the streets with what looked like leaf blowers, but it was spewing out the same stuff that was coming out of the back of these trucks. Uh, and then it was. They showed videos of of the of, of uh, like platoons of hazmated Chinese police or soldiers chasing down uh, Chinese citizens in in local parks, getting them to disperse. Uh, but obviously, once once you get the order from the Chinese police to disperse, and you haven't dispersed, you don't get you don't get asked a second time. It's it's kind of like being part of uh, uh, Godfather One when Waltz turns down the first offer to put Johnny Fontaine in the, in the uh, picture, and Tom Hagen gets up from the table and says, "Can you take me? Can uh, can I get a car to take me to the airport?" My client insists on hearing bad news immediately, and then uh, Waltz says, "Anything else I can give him? Please let me know." And he says, uh, my client never asks another favor once being denied the first. And so I think the Chinese government is, is, might, might be slightly godfathery in their, in, the, in, in their behavior, in, their, uh, in how they treat um, non-compliant citizens. And then there was an absolutely... Uh, horrendous and this isn't look i don't mean to be broadly shitting on the chinese people at all um yeah and i won't start with making a list of my favorite chinese people because it probably starts and ends with jackie chan but that that the the deficit of names on that list is more due to 
my lack of exposure to, to uh, Chinese people rather than the quality of Chinese people. So let's make that very clear. And one of my favorite dishes in the, in the history of the world is a Szechuan hot pot, which if you haven't had, I would recommend, and the late great Anthony Bourdain would also recommend. Um, the Szechuan province is mainly based around the, the Szechuan pepper and the dried chili. And the dishes are a physical endurance, a physical experience of endurance. So I definitely would recommend that. But I did. I saw a video today of a man fishing in a canal, and next to where his fishing rod was in the water, there was literally a corpse of a human being in 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 the water as well. And I. <laughs> And I had to consider that. I had to look at that and think, okay, what's happening here? What is going on here? And, now, and, the, and, the, and the Chinese people, and again, this is broadly, but the Chinese people do have a very different attitude or outlook on food than, than Western people have. And if you are a creature in any form and you are moving about the earth, you are a source of protein. You are a source of nutrient. Now, I have to be honest, even from a Western perspective, how, how hideous that may, that, that, may, that may come across, that may seem, uh, it's, also a very, it's also like a very wise and almost enlightened perspective on, on reality. Um, there are... Uh, why, why, why would you let a, uh, why would you let a collection of protein uh, go to waste simply because it is in a form that you don't necessarily like, that you don't necessarily like to look at, or you don't necessarily like to imagine? Um, saw saw some saw some very confronting images of uh, of animal slaughter of animals that I would not consider uh, to be fit for food. But then I thought, I, I live 40 kilometers from an abattoir where sheep are, by the truckload, driven there every single day. And sheep are, um, you know, slaughtered, dismembered, cut up into pieces and, and sold. Now, there was a slightly higher hygiene standard at the abattoir 40 kilometers down the road than there were in the images that I, that I saw the other day. But that aside, um, yeah, why should the slaughter of a dog be any more horrendous than the slaughter of a sheep uh, or the slaughter of a pig? I, I think you could probably argue that the dog seems to be more intelligent than the sheep, but I don't think you could argue that the pig is more intelligent um, than, uh, sorry, that the dog is more intelligent than the pig. Um, anyway, so there, there were there were some certainly some confronting issues images, but the the old the old man in the in the uh, in the canal fishing, literally maybe like we talk about social distancing here being a meter and a half away, like this guy wasn't that much further away from this corpse. And the canal was shallow enough that the corpse was like the elbow of the corpse was sticking out of the top of the water. And yet this man was there fishing. This man had his line in the water. 
Uh, and I don't know. I mean, I, it's a, it's obviously very difficult. I don't know if this man is uh, is that indicative of normal Chinese behavior, or is that a, a rural Chinese behavior? I mean, there's rural Australian behaviors down here in in the Great Southern that are absolutely freakishly bizarre and cruel, and just downright weird, like men who go out pig shooting and don't take any meat from the pig home. Like that's peculiar. That's very weird. Or is was this a was this just a crazy old man who had lost his mind, who had gone mad, who had lost too many relatives, and had decided to go fishing in the canal, and he was desperate for food. And the fish that he may have found in that canal, had he have turned up a few days later, or a few weeks later, would have probably eaten the remains of that corpse. So he would have been eating the remains of that corpse anyway. But he wouldn't have had to look at the form. So is the Chinese man enlightened? Is the Chinese man insane? Is the Chinese man an anomaly? Is the Chinese man indicative of, 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 of Chinese culture in that particular region? Just very confronting, just very confronting images to take in. But you have to, I think you, I, oh, what was the other post I saw today? That enlightenment is simply the state of offering no resistance to anything that is. And when I read that, I thought, okay, that's worthy of, of, of considering. Is that enlightenment? Offering no resistance to what is. And maybe it, maybe that is, maybe that isn't. I don't know. But it is certainly, it is certainly worth. It is certainly worth a few moments of uh, of thought. Do we, do we try and do we try and shape and mold the environment, or do we adapt to the environment? Now that Chinese man, that old Chinese man by the canal, he was just adapting to his environment. And maybe he went fishing in that canal. Maybe he's been fishing in that canal for 70 years. And maybe he's seen dead bodies in that canal before. And maybe he has eaten fish out of that river that he has caught next to dead bodies before. Or maybe that canal has, was full of multiple dead bodies. And he's, and he's eaten many, many fish. Maybe the more dead bodies in that canal attracts the more fish. Maybe he catches more. Maybe he murdered the guy and threw him in the canal in order to in order to attract more fish to the area. Maybe that corpse was bait that that old Chinese man uh, was fishing with. Maybe this is something he does all the time. Maybe it wasn't, but maybe it was. China is a China is a giant landmass of what is it now? One point three billion people. One point two billion people. 90% of which are, are still apparently living in extraordinary poverty. And I, I've seen pictures of, 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 shameful to even say, but I've, I've seen pictures of, of um, abandoned uh, babies who have, have passed away, uh, left on, on, on the roadside of, of parts of rural China. And maybe my shock or my 
resistance to these images is that it's just it's new and I'm completely completely pr privileged I, I am at the moment still living uh, in my parents house now I have to make this clear for people who haven't listened to the show before I don't live in my parents house but for the last um, two and a bit months I have lived in my parents house I'm moving back to my house on uh, Sunday which is about four days away uh, at the latest I'll be moving back six days after that but I, I hopefully will be moving back on Sunday and I have a room to, to, to myself I'm 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 sitting on hardwood floors. I'm not sitting, sorry. I'm sitting on oak chairs that are on hardwood floors that are on grand carpets in big rooms with high ceilings with uh, master plastering around uh, antique chandeliers. Like I'm, I'm, I'm the, the, the door, the doorknobs in every room are the ones that are up high, like in the movie Amadeus. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, this is me slumming it. This is me slumming it. It's coming back home to my parents' house for a couple of months with my children. And my children get their own bedroom. Um, and we, yeah, we spend, we spend our days on, on the veranda with sunshine and, and glorious trees and gum trees and bird baths and, and mowed manicured lawns and, and giant uh, fir trees in, in the, uh, yeah, I mean, I have, I have absolutely no, I have no point of, or uh, point of order or point of perspective to even consider what that Chinese man, what that old man's life is like, to the point where he has come to be fishing in a canal with a corpse in it. I have, no, I have no business, no business, no business, no knowledge, no experience of that whatsoever. You know, we said the, the uh, Australian government today said only one carton of beer per day, people, or only three bottles of wine, or only one liter of, of whiskey. And this is our hardship. This is our hardship. There's a man fishing next to a corpse in a canal, and we're freaking out because we can only buy 24 beers a day, and we can only buy one liter of whiskey a day. We can only buy three bottles of wine a day. Um, there, there are war-torn countries. You know, we're, we're pulling our children out of private schools and telling them to wash their hands for 30 seconds. There are, there are, there are countries around the world who don't even have access to clean water to wash their hands. Forget 30 seconds a day or 40 seconds a day. Uh, yeah, they... they the West has just been given a taste of what for so many billions of people around the world is, is a matter of course, is an everyday reality. And it's very, it's very, very interesting to watch how people are responding to it and what people feel that they are entitled to. Although, I, I'm a, yeah, and I'm absolutely not uh, exempt from that. I, I, I really, yeah, I recoiled at the idea of, shit, there might not be any cold beer for almost free 
you, you can buy a carton of good beer in Australia for less than $50 for about $2 a beer, $2 a bottle of beer of really good beer. Now, not all beer in Australia is good. Most of it's fucking atrocious, but there's a few beers that are wonderful and almost free. The, yeah, the, the, the level, the level of luxury, the level of luxury that Australians enjoy and yawn their way through, including myself, I'm not saying I'm exempt from that at all. The level of luxury is, is almost obscene. It really is almost obscene. Um, and we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see how this goes. There, there's been a, um, there's been a death in this small, uh, in this small country town that I live in. And there's been, um, like, this is real. It's here. It's very, very real. Uh, someone asked me not to talk about the coronavirus on the podcast. And then a few days later, they were, they were like, oh shit, this is actually, this is actually real. And I have to credit my, uh, my sister, Jane. Uh, Jane's been going on a binge, a coronavirus binge, and she's she's been uh, she's she's gone too far. She's pulled herself off. She she shut herself off now for for twenty four hours. And these these videos were just they were coming. Hey, you know about this statistic? Do you know what's happening in in Estonia? Do you know what's happening in Italy? Do you know what's happening here? Do you know what's happening there? And I have to say, it kind of woke me up to it because I was. Not that I was on Bondi Beach, and I'm geographically very far from Bondi Beach, but I think I would have been one of those people out at Bondi Beach thinking, ah, oh, there's no problem here. And then the worst part about this thing is that it's it's a respiratory, dis respiratory, respiratory disease. Now, a man, I could think of, I could think of 300 different ways I would like to go other than uh, respiratorily, respiratorily. No, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, yeah, without getting, without getting too dramatic or sad, gasping for gulps of oxygen that you can't get in to your lungs is, uh, is not, is not, not for me. My youngest son told me a riddle today and he said, what is not dead, but grows and what loves oxygen but doesn't have any lungs. And I didn't get it. He told me later, but I, I didn't get it. But if you have any, if you have any ideas um, of what that might be, uh, not that we have a comment section down below, uh, but yeah, let me know. Let me know through the voicemail on uh, on Anchor. We're all going to be we're all going to be locked up here, I think, for a while. Um, this, this this could go on for, man, who are we kidding? This could be six months. This could be 12 months. I don't want to spread any ridiculous panic and speculation, but it at least could be two or three months in, in the hole, like Steve McQueen in The Great Escape throwing a baseball, sitting on the uh, sitting, sitting in the hole throwing a baseball against the wall, catching it to keep his spirits up. So I got a call from my editor today, um, and the editor, the Ed's name is Ed. I actually have an editor called Ed, 
when I was a kid, I used to read the Beano and the Dandy, terrible comics. And they used to have letters to the Ed, and it was called Ed because it was letters to the editor. Um, but the editor, anyway, of Bird is actually called Ed. And he called today, and obviously things have changed drastically since our last conversation. We were going to plan uh, a local Albany launch down here, and we were going to do a launch in uh, in Perth with UWA University in, in, in Perth. Um we were thinking, it wasn't planned, but we were thinking about doing a launch either in Sydney or in Tasmania as well. Now, obviously everything has changed. And what's very interesting is how quickly everything's changed. So he gave me a call today and I, at the time when I got the call, I was playing, I was playing FIFA soccer with my youngest son on the Xbox. And I was Manchester United and Atticus was, who was he? He was Chelsea. We were having a great old time and we sped up the, we sped up the acceleration and the running speed of all the players. So it we were going so fast. It was like watching, it was like watching those old black and white silent movies where the people are just run or, or when Benny Hill had the saxophone playing and he was chasing the, the naked women around the grave in, in high speed. So we were playing FIFA and then then the editor called and then he said, look, why don't we do a virtual book launch? Because we obviously, you know, as the government has said, we now cannot gather in more than groups of two, which is not even a group. So we're, we're, uh, we're restricted to pairs, but only one pair. So he said, why don't we do a virtual launch instead? And immediately, I have to say, I was like, this just does not feel like the right time to try and sell something. This doesn't feel like the right time to market anything. This doesn't feel like it would feel kind of cheap to in the midst of all this to be spruiking on the street corner saying, Hey, you, have you seen these t-shirts? Why don't you, why don't you buy one of these t-shirts? Now I know we're, we're talking about a book. We're not talking about a t-shirt, but although there are t-shirts on the website for sale. So there you go. Um, so I, I, I expressed that to Ed and I said, look, man, I'm just not sure. I wouldn't feel very classy to be, you know, while people are posting life-saving messages and reminders to keep your distance and wash your hands and, stay indoors and all the rest of it. I just, I don't know if I'd feel that good about, um, you know, posting quotes from readers and posting reviews from, from um, magazines about the book and trying to encourage people to, to buy something. Um, two days after, you know, 100,000 people lost their jobs or was it even more? I think it was even more. So, uh, but then I, I, we were chatting anyway and, Ed, Ed was saying that, um, you know, now, now is a time he, and he said, don't necessarily look at it as like we're selling something because Puncher and Watman, the, the, the book publishing company, it's, it's not like a, it's not like a multi-million dollar uh, business. It's a, it's a book publishing company that exists to publish books that don't get to be published by say Penguin or HarperCollins or Random House. Um, so he, and he was saying it's not really about 
selling. It's about getting books out to people who are interested in reading. And um, and he was very, you know, he, he's always very, very good to me and he's very kind to me and he's very, um, he's very nice in how he talks about, say, the book Bird. And he was saying, look, it's a, it's, you know, it's a great read and people should, people should, you should let people know that it's there and it's launched and it's, and, and then he said, look, people are going to be inside, you know, this is the time where people are going to need books. Um, and then, yeah, and then, and then he kind of talked me around and then he also said that his mother lived in an apartment complex in Sydney. He, he's from Sydney and his mother's about 80. And obviously he's as worried about his 80-year-old mother as, as I am worried about my 70-year-old mother. Now, my 70-year-old mother is a very um, vibrant 70-year-old mother, and I don't know how old Ed's mother is, um, as in I don't know how old she is psychologically or or spiritually. I know how old she is physically, but I don't know how old she is in, in, in the sense of her spirit. I don't know how old she is. Uh, my 70-year-old mother is... You can probably hear her banging around in the background, pouring herself another Guinness. But my seventy-year-old mother is like a, she has the spirit of a thirty-five-year-old woman. But he said his eighty-year-old mother, who is a widow, contacts uh, all the other widows in the building and in her apartment complex that she would normally hang out with and, and talk with, and they have a Skype session together every night and drink a glass of wine together. Uh, it wasn't Skype; it was Zoom. He said that she they use the Zoom program, which I haven't used. I haven't used before, but it's similar to like a FaceTime or or whatever. And and then he was saying, and, it, and if this situation is prolonged, and if it goes on and on, uh, people are going to want to engage. People are going to want to go to a virtual book launch. This is going to it's going to break the cycle of. Of, of isolation a little bit. So I, I warmed to that idea and I thought that, that that was a good idea because I was thinking of doing like a virtual uh, house concert or house concerts online. Uh, and I think, yeah, I think we, sh I think we have, I think we have access to technology that makes this process easier. And why not? Why should we not embrace it? I also heard that the website Pornhub was giving every Italian citizen premium access for the length of the uh, shutdown in, in Italy, which I thought was was very nice for a, a, a sex trafficking exploitive website to uh, ex extend the olive branch, uh, yeah, to to a predominantly Catholic uh, Catholic, albeit hedonist country. I thought that was that was very very interesting. So, I think I think we are going to do the I think we are going to do the uh, the virtual launch. Um, and as much for my own sake too, if, I, if I'm going to be locked up, man, for for the next six weeks, then geez, why not? Why not do a virtual uh, virtual launch? And uh, and Ed kept saying, and you basically just get in the, in the middle of the screen, Adam, and drink wine. You just drink wine and. Other people will be drinking wine, and you'll you know read a chapter of the book, and then uh, and then people just drink wine, and then and then people who are on online on the screen at the launch can, uh, we, can we can all like have a chat together, and we can ask each other questions and talk about the book, and 
And by the time he'd finished, I was like, man, is there, what, is there any other virtual launches I can go to in the meantime? So, yeah, so it was very, very, it was very lovely. So that is the current state of the union at the moment. Uh, we went for a swim. I'm homeschooling the boys at the moment, and we went for a swim in a river with no name. I'm not sure what the river was and did some stand-up paddle boarding. And it was really, really amazing. And today we made some pizzas for home economics class. And the school that the boys are with have a distance education arm. So they've just switched everyone over to this distance education program. So the boys are sleeping in late, getting up at, at five to nine, getting into their classes. We're having recess breaks at home. We're having uh, lunch breaks at home. And today my eldest decided to have an hour sleep um, in, in between science and house. So, uh, you know, the human, the human is, if the human is nothing else, the human is flexible. Uh, the human is adaptable. The human can adapt to almost anything. And you see, you see humans all around the world, particularly Particularly in the in the nature documentaries, you see humans who have uh, carved out a life living by rivers. Uh, you've seen humans carve out lives living in the snow. You've seen humans carve out a life living in deserts. Um, here in Australia, you've seen humans living underground uh, in certain parts of, I said, Cooper Pedy. Um, yeah, we humans are. We are a troubling but inspiring species, and we are capable of survival uh, against the, the against the weirdest against the weirdest odds. We are capable of just ticking along, just getting through, just just moving, moving, moving. Not even progressing, just surviving. We are capable. We are capable of that. Um, So yeah, it is a strange time to be a human. It certainly is a strange time to be an author who was supposed to be having a, uh, a physical book launch in about two weeks' time. Um, but as the immortal Pete Seeger said, we shall overcome. And, you know, I think we will. I think we will. And if we don't, the, uh, the flame of life energy that's inside us, it'll just get transferred into something else. I think Einstein said that energy doesn't die, energy doesn't doesn't shut off. You can't kill energy; it just transfers into a different state. You know, so for those of us who may succumb, we don't really know what we're succumbing to. We don't know what we are transferring into. We could be transferring into the most wonderful cosmic state uh, that is. Uh, that is a thousand times better. This could be this could be the purgatory for another uh, existence somewhere else. Uh, this world that we have of uncertainty and and suffering and um, I was going to say lucidity. I'm going to have to look that up. I don't know if that's in place there. I don't know if that fits in that in that particular spot. Um, but where we are here in planet Earth. We are in a space that we don't know how we got here. We don't know why we're here. We don't know how the space got here. We, we don't know 
when we're going to leave here. And we don't know what we're supposed to do here. And we don't know why here or us in here actually exists. So if we are to move out of this space into another space, if we are to transfer into another space, maybe it'll be a space where everything is explained. Maybe when we emerge on the other side, it'll be, ah, welcome, uh, whoever, whoever, whatever your name is. Oh, by the way, your name is this now. It's not that what it used to be. It's this. Oh, and uh, the reason you're here is because of this. Oh, and that place that you just came from, Earth, that human uh, avatar that you were in. Oh, the reason that, that you were in that form uh, was because of this and this. And the reason you were there that long is because of this. And uh, the reason you're here is because of, of this. And, yeah, we really look forward to watching you reach these milestones that are now ahead of you to, to tick off. And uh, as you get further along the milestones in this new space, we will, uh, we will let you know what, what's happening with your next transfer. And thank you for flying with planet whatever. I was about to say thank you for, <laughs> thank you for flying with planet uh, rubber dub dub dub, but that was too that was too much. That was too much. I'm glad I didn't. But then then I already said it, so maybe I should have. Um, there it is.